0: Hello and welcome everyone to the 38th episode of the Pointy Hatcast. I am your host Sam, also known as Ducky O'Brien on Twitch, and we are joined today by our co host fellow potato farmers, Barry. Hello. Isaiah is safely back from New Zealand, so we'll return to our normal release schedule soon. Today's episode is on nurturing some good old Idaho spuds, the Martian. Our email is pointyhackcast at gmail.com. Please send us any questions or comments as well as any requests for movie us to watch. It was released on October 2015 in the U.S. It was directed by Ridley Scott. The screenplay was written by Drew Goddard. It stars Matt Damon, Jessica Chastain, Tristan Wigg, Jeff Daniels, Michael Pina, and Sean Bean and many, many more. This is probably one of the few movies in which Sean Bean does not die. Anyways, currently as of this podcast, it has a Rotten Tomato score of 91% for critics and 91% for the audience. An astronaut becomes stranded on Mars after his team assumes him dead and must rely on his ingenuity to find a way to signal to Earth that he is alive. Anyways, without further ado, Barry, take us away. The Martian.
1: Previously we have spoken of Moon, which was another... A sci-fi film featuring basically a single actor for the majority of the film. And now we're talking about The Martian, Matt Damon. Uh, this came very soon after Interstellar, I believe, which was another sci-fi film that featured Matt Damon and Jessica Chastain. <laughs> so it was a bit of a gluttonous plethora hmm. of science fiction films. I should watch Interstellar. I haven't seen it yet. What? Yeah. I guess that's next. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess that's next. Uh, I really like this film. I think that it's a very lovely sci-fi film and that there's no ridiculous evil bad guy villain. It's just a story of survival. The science is, for the most part, very good. It's based, of course, on the novel of the same title by Andy Weir, which is very famous for being uh, exceptionally scientifically accurate. There's only, I think, maybe two very salient points that are very not scientifically accurate, and we'll go over that in a little okay. bit. I only
0: know of one. So you can I, th- tell I think me there's a one. couple.
1: At least okay. in the film, there's a couple. and in, in the novel, there's, there's probably a little oh, bit less. Oh, in the
0: film. All right. Oh, okay.
1: All right. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of nitpicky stuff we can go over. But overall, it's a fun film. It's an interesting film. Uh, I'd have some gripes. I think that the overall performance from Matt Damon doesn't really convey like the the struggle. You know, Sam Rockwell and Moon did a fantastic job to convey how just hopeless that situation was for him.
0: He's sad and he's basically dying.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... You never feel that same tension in the Martian, even though he's theoretically in one of the worst situations imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the main point of the film is that, of course, he's trapped on Mars entirely by himself, the only person to be alone on an entire planet, as they mentioned in the film. And that's, that's pretty heavy, you know? <laughs> now, that's, that's, a, that's a tough hand to be dealt. And this film portrays very well what astronauts are are actually like, you know, as opposed to many other films where they're just, like, screaming at each other and there's just so much drama and incompetence. Astronauts really aren't like that. If you throw a life or death problem at an astronaut, they're they're just gonna figure it out and work on it until they've...
0: They're the best of humanity.
1: They're the absolute best that we have to offer. And part of that is facing critical life-threatening situations. They're just going to work on the problem until it's fixed or they're dead. <laughs> That's basically how it goes. There have been some life-threatening situations in actual space travel, and astronauts are just like, okay, now I'm going to do this, now I'm going to do this, now I'm going to do this, and then they fix the problem, and they don't die. Yeah, they're like, oh, jeez, get to live oh, another gee day. Oh, yeah. Another day in the office. <laughs> That's just how those things go because they are the best trained of the best people on the planet. Yeah. Or none. The exemplars of competence. And I like that the film portrays that more than anything else because I'm really tired of astronauts being anything less than exceptional in movies. (laughs) Like Armageddon. (laughs) Why don't we just train astronauts to drill? (laughs) Oh, Michael Bay. (laughs) Yeah. Michael Bay. Anyway, what did you think of *The Martian*, Sam?
0: Oh man, Uh, I think *The Martian* for me is a great example of how to adapt any medium to the silver screen. I think this is one of the best constructed films ever. And let, let me just go over why. I'm not talking about like it being artsy, but in just in terms of it being enjoyable. What it does is brilliant. Basically, it gives you the problem right away. So in the very beginning, there's a dust storm. They're like, oh, shoot, we got to evac. So you know what the clear goal is. Even if you don't know what the science surrounding that situation is, you know that they have to run away. They go, and then, you know, he gets left behind. Mark Wahlberg gets left behind. And he has another clear goal. He has to survive somehow. Immediate clear you goal. Did call him
1: Mark Wahlberg?
0: Oh, Matt Damon. Oh, sorry. They they look the same to me.
1: <laughs> That's racist.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I actually confused the two of them. But anyways, not only that, they interspersed the only short movie bits they in were action. together
1: was uh, the Scorsese film. That's I the only film I can think of that they were Wait, they were together. Cool. Who,
0: was it Matt Damon or Mark? It was Mark, What right? Where he was in the movie with uh, the cops. And there's that one scene where he's like... C- oh, critique- the, departed. the Departed. The Departed. No, not The Departed. Not a serious one. Uh, a comedy one where there's a, like a modern art scene and he's critiquing it. Because he's like, yeah, I, I took a class on modern art so I can make fun of people like that. And he knows ballet. You, you know what I'm talking about?
1: The Other Guys?
0: The Other Guys? Is it The Other Guys? Is that The Rock? Wasn't it Sam Jackson and The Rock and they did jump off a building and then they die? And then so it's up to Marky and, and someone I'm else. I'm
1: pretty sure that's the other guys. Yeah, that
0: might be that movie. That's, that's Mark, right? With Will right? Ferrell
1: not- and Marky Mark.
0: Yeah, okay. So that was... See, it's, uh, subconsciously, I don't know why, but after doing the episode on uh, Bill and Ted, I was just thinking about Mark Wahlberg and that movie. It was running in the background of my mind for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> and then why no? it just, I don't know. It just, I just thought of that scene and jumping off and dying. And I was like, that's really, I, okay. Some scenes just stick in my mind. Uh, Matt Damon, not Mark Wahlberg. Has Gosh. to survive. And there's clear goals. And like, not only that, there's action. There's like things exploding. It's not like the forefront of the movie, but it's there. And it's like, oh my God, something happened. It has entertaining moments. It gives you clear goals. It gives you clear obstacles that they have to overcome. Well-written dialogue where they use the dialogue to explain to you what's happening, but it makes it sound supernatural, like they're just talking to each other. But it explains to you what's going on, and they compress and reduce the science into just the bare essentials so that you don't feel confused as a viewer if you're not familiar with any of that kind of stuff. And yet, it maintains the the spirit of a novel for the most part. Like, it's just an entertaining package. It's well-made, it's well-produced, it's well-acted. The pacing is pretty good. Like, there's action to keep you entertained. They don't bore you with the science. If you just dissect each section of the movie, they do that over and over again. And there's really not a dull moment in the film.
1: I will say, I I want to see this in theaters with two good friends of mine. And one of them was bored out of his mind. Really? Yeah. He's a good friend, but he's not really the most scientifically literate. That kind of stuff doesn't really excite him. And he was really bored. What about the poo potatoes? Yeah, I don't know. I was oh. like, but it's a story about the human drama and survival. And he's like, but there's only like one explosion. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and This is why Michael Bay's in business. <laughs> yeah, this is why these Transformers movies make a billion dollars. I'm like, yeah. son of a bitch.
0: All right, if you need a lot of explosions, this movie isn't for you. Um yeah, if, just put it that If, way. if you need
1: yeah. a nonstop action, this is definitely not that type of yeah. It's not sci-fi action. It's sci fi, you know. They sp- solving problems about the science, about like the backdrop, this incredible backdrop of Mars and the spirit of adventure yeah, and stuff like yes.
0: that. And it's about family. There's exactly
1: <laughs> one explosion. No, you know what? There's, there's a couple, two explosions. But
0: are they technically explosions? Yes.
1: Okay. All right. One we'll of them it. is an actual explosion, the other one is rapid decompression. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: But yeah, uh, I think one thing that speaks to this movie is that I noticed that a lot of people outside of the U.S. who don't speak English love this movie.
1: Well, because in the U.S. we go to see the movies and we buy like a giant bag of popcorn and we like slobber everywhere and cough and like, there's nothing yeah. blowing up. And <laughs> in other countries, they go to the cinema to watch a film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, know, you have a point there. But yeah, like, it's just like, even if they don't know English, they love this movie. I mean, obviously there's subtitles, but yeah. Another true story. Uh, I watched this movie because of that same girl. And she's like, this is one of my favorite movies ever. So like, I'll watch it then. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's a very nice film. I guess I'm going to start griping. This is the point in the reveal where I'm going to gripe. The next twenty minutes about the things that are not scientifically accurate.
0: <laughs> okay, and then we'll go back to the stuff that we and like. Then we'll go back
1: to the stuff that we like. <laughs> all uh, right, fair go. enough.
0: Uh, <laughs> Wait, let me let me start off. All right, because this is the sure. only thing. So again, I didn't pay attention to the movie, but I I know I read online that uh, apparently in Mars there's really no atmosphere. So. The storms do move at that speed. I forgot what they said. Maybe like hundreds of miles per hour. Yeah, hundreds of miles per hour. But it would actually do no damage because there's it's basically almost like a vacuum. So that's one thing I read that it wouldn't have posed a threat to the mission or to that little ship. What's that ship called? Uh, the MAV. The MAV. Yeah, that it wouldn't have done any damage to the MAV. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the only thing I know, Barry. And then I'll hand it back to you so you can grab a balance this stuff.
1: Yes, that is absolutely true. The reason why you need a spacesuit on Mars is that you know there's really no atmosphere to speak of. It's very light. Yeah. It's a fractional percentage. It does move very quickly, but there's no pressure. But there's no oomph behind it. It could potentially threaten the mission, but not for the reasons they would. They stayed here. It probably would not tip the MAV. The reason it would potentially threaten the mission is that the Martian dust is very fine-grained. I don't think it's quite as bad as moon dust. Moon dust is potentially toxic because it's so fine-grained mm. that it gets into your lungs and will just tear you apart. Martian dust storms would, and they make a point of this in the book if you remember, decrease like the efficacy of the solar panels
0: uh, yeah, yeah.
1: and they potentially lose power to the mission. If the dust storm lasts long enough, which obviously doesn't, but to make a point of it. To be fair, it would not look this way either. It would basically be like, oh, it's kind of dusty out. <laughs> it would be like a slightly overcast day on Earth. That's basically the extent of it. It would just be a barely perceptible decrease in the amount of sunlight, and it would decrease the efficiency of their solar panels. But that's fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna happen
0: yeah imagine the whole movie where it's like oh it's a dust storm we'll just wait inside and then like oh let's go clean out the solar panels now the end
1: the end <laughs> it wouldn't make for a very good movie yeah there's a couple other major things there's about a bunch of minor things another major thing is that the uh, the Hermes the vehicle they come to Mars on the giant oh, spaceship
0: yes you mentioned this before yeah Yeah. The, it's it's comically yeah. large
1: like the size of just the gym just know. <laughs> Look at how much space there is. The gym in the International Space Station is basically the size of a small closet because volume and mass cost a lot of money to take into orbit. Like every gram counts. So you're not going to waste tons, literally tons, on this giant, expansive gym and this massive dining room. Like they're sitting there to eat. It looks like an entire cafeteria. Yeah. But there's only what, five of them on the entire ship? What It would need be that?
0: jam-packed, I imagine.
1: Yeah, well, you would be eating... Again, everything would be approximately the size of a walk-in closet. <laughs> and that's it. That's all you get, because it's comically expensive to do anything more. That's the other salient point, but that would not look visually interesting. Yeah, it but would that not. Was, that was the point that I think Ridley Scott made when they were making the sets. Like, Andy Weir mm-hmm. came out of set and he's like, this is really big <laughs> Ridley Scott was like well I'm Ridley Scott <laughs> <and> You're <not." laughs> <F> you. <laughs>
0: uh, it's true though like it does look a lot better that way like it's not realistic but it looks better on film on screen
1: it's an honest effort it doesn't really matter it's much more visually interesting to do things the way they did like the hab the habitat they're in it's also much bigger if he had all yeah. that space, he probably would have farmed a lot more poo potatoes. Exactly by converting the, the all of the rest of the hat. If your entire existence depended on poo potatoes, you would use every single square foot of habitable space to plant your poo potatoes and grow as much poo potato <laughs> as is possible. It's a perpetual cycle. You just eat yeah.
0: potato poo potatoes, take your poo, grow more poo potatoes.
1: Yeah, that was another point was that he used his own poo specifically and nobody else's poo. For a few reasons. One is that if you farm with your own poo, then you can only catch the parasites that you have in your own gut existing. That's true. Whatever diseases and stuff in there is stuff that you already basically had. It's theoretically not as bad. And the other reason is that there's an entire biome of bacteria in there that isn't necessary for growing plants. Which is a pretty important point in the books. It's part of the reason why when the entire hab decompresses, you can no longer grow potatoes. Is because all the bacteria in the soil dies. Are
0: dead, yeah. Rest in yeah. peace.
1: Rip and pepperoni bacteria. You did your glorious work. I was
0: actually really sad. That part made me sad in the book and in the movie. Because I was like, yay, poo potatoes. And then they're like, oh, it's all dead now. All that hard work.
1: The other point is... Suits are not very realistic, but I'll give that a pass. It's future technology, whatever. Part of what makes spacewalks and spacesuits very difficult to work in is this is really hard to communicate but atmospheric pressure is like what 14.7 PSI? Sure Pressure is one of those things that's really hard to get a grip on but it's also one of the scariest forces to deal with because if you have 14.7 PSI and imagine like a door a door is what 8 feet tall by 3 feet wide That's 24 square feet, which is many, many square inches. Mm -hmm. And if you have 14.7 pounds per square inch, Mm, okay, if you have a thousand square inches, that's 14,000 pounds of force on your door. True. Now, when you're in your spacesuit, it's that situation, but the opposite. So if you're sitting in a vacuum and your suit is pressurized to... I don't think they take it up to full atmospheric. I think it's maybe a little bit underneath it. But it's pretty close. And if all that pressure is on your suit, then you're experiencing basically a restrictive force of 14.7 PSI on every single joint. If you can imagine like squeezing your hand, imagine 14 pounds of force times however many fingers. Every time Mm. you want to squeeze your hand into a fist.
0: Okay. Makes sense.
1: It's exhausting work, and it's part of the reason why astronauts have to be physically fit, because if you go out on a spacewalk, it's goddamn exhausting. (laughs) You would think that it's easy because you're in zero-g, and to an extent, yeah, you're not holding your own weight, but every time you have to do literally anything, it's worse than wading through a pool. You can imagine Mm. the resistance you get there, because... Like, small motions in a pool don't do anything. Every single small motion in a spacesuit is exhausting. Which brings me to my next point, where he covers the crack in his suit with duct tape. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that would not work.
0: <laughs> Who knows? Duct tape is super strong, you know?
1: <laughs> it is very strong. I'll give him benefit of the doubt. It, it might work, but probably not. Beca- again, because of pressure. 14.7 PSI times, you know... I don't know how big that crack was, maybe like, like it's near vacuum in Mars, so that's the pressure differential. Delta P is scary, guys. It's terrifying stuff. It's why I'm secretly terrified of every single pressure vessel I come across. Like, propane tanks. (laughs) I made a potato gun in uh, high school for a science project, and it was the scariest thing I've done in my entire life. Mm. Because anytime you put anything under pressure, there's a very solid, (laughs) yeah, that is just going to explode. Just like the hab exploded here. If you put, put a pressure, like the hab exploding is the same reason that a propane tank might explode is because the pressure difference between the stuff inside and outside is so great that, you know, it's a very energetic result when it gets punctured, yeah. for lack of a better term. So yeah, pressure. I think in the books they have like this whole many chapters about the special sealant and canvas that they use for the hab and like, uh, epoxies. Yeah.
0: yeah. Man, like one thing I kind of missed was like they went over like why the have failed because there was a like a small defect in the hab canvas and that's why like it just over time it stressed and it finally gave out and you know that kind of detail you kind of miss in the movies but I'm glad that they left it out to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean you're not gonna spend like they spend an entire chapter explaining yeah. stuff like that, like that would take like half an hour of the movie. And at that point, everybody but like me and you, Sam, would have fallen asleep. Yeah. <laughs> we would have been like, "Oh, this is riveting! This is how sci-fi oh, this should be great! Yeah. Show us, show us your work! Write it down! <laughs> <laughs> Go more into the poo potatoes! How are you going to do this? The work doesn't count if you don't show your work. It's like a math <laughs> <Yeah>. problem. <laughs> this is the stuff that excites us. <laughs> and then in the film, another problem was where he blows himself up but he uses hydrogen. To clarify, this was not very clear in the film. The way they would make fuel on Mars, this is one of the proposals they came up with is they would send like a chemist rig over there where they would uh-huh. use part of the Martian atmosphere to basically make rocket fuel out of Mars. So they send the whole map over there and it's basically making rocket fuel as it sits there. And it would send oh, it yeah. like a year that was in and the half. book. Yeah. Yeah. They would send it ahead of time. And that's what hydrazine is. Hydrazine, when you run it over a catalyst, it separates into hydrogen and some other stuff. And you combine hydrogen with oxygen, obviously. And it, as the Hindenburg will tell you, it burns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it burns into water, which is a weird thing to think about. You don't really come across that situation on a daily basis for <laughs> obvious reasons where you burn something and it creates water. And that was a big deal. In the book, he basically evacuates the entire hab. Like he depressurizes the hab to remove all the oxygen and nitrogen whatever so that he doesn't accidentally explode himself. Yeah, blow himself up. Yeah. And then he creates like a small, I don't remember exactly how he did this in the book actually. But he like he deliberately creates like a little separate pressure vessel for it. And he miscalculates because like the oxygen you breathe in and then breathe out when you breathe out, it's still mostly oxygen, actually. Yeah, There's still a lot didn't of oxygen there. take that into there.
0: consideration, yeah.
1: Because when you, when you exhale, your lungs are not the most efficient thing in the world at processing oxygen. And then he miscalculated and blew himself up. They briefly go
0: over that, where it's just like, he, they only go over the part where it's like, I didn't count for the oxygen coming out
1: of me, and then... Yeah, that's like five seconds in the film. Yep. In the book, it's like, it's like a whole chapter. It's a whole long process, and... That's fine. It's fine. Great it's, way it's to adapt it. It's better this way, yeah. You get all of the payout, and you don't have to go through really all the nitty-gritty. I'm just going to stop right there, because if I keep going, we're going to be talking for the next, like, hour and a half. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, oh, no. One more. One more. Yeah. At the end, where he goes Iron Man, okay, that is that is terrible.
0: <laughs> that is unrealistic.
1: That's not going to happen. Yeah. A lot of reasons... Like, voluntarily piercing your spacesuit is like, oh man. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of reasons why that's a bad idea. But one is that all of the air will go out and you will die. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's not like over time either. It's like instantly, right?
1: Yeah, it would be fairly rapid. The pressure drop might just cause you to immediately faint. And then the rest is history. It's being able to control that too. Yeah, that's the next major problem, is controlling a thrust vector. If you play Kerbal Space Program, you know what this means. But (laughs) any time you have thrust, it's basically like a big shove at that location. And if that shove is not through your center of gravity, then you're going into an uncontrollable spin. Yeah, And there's no way to control it. And the human body is a complicated network of stuff. Your center of gravity changes every time you move. He's, like, flailing around, and he's just like, ah! (laughs) There's almost no way you're going to control that. But, you know, it's a movie, whatever. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. Whatever,
0: man. (laughs) It's dramatic, you know?
1: Yeah. This is definitely less interesting. They're just slowly floating at each other through space. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. Did you catch the little bit of whitewashing they did in this film? No, you mentioned that
0: before, uh, which I don't remember the book that well. What, which one, which part, which
1: role? Right here, Sam. The lady. Yeah. What's your name, Sam? Mindy Park. Oh, it's supposed to be Korean. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. Surprised you didn't pick that up. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> It all I, makes I sense. I mean, it's now. not a big deal. They make a point of having a multinational cast.
0: They do, yeah.
1: Which is how NASA is anyway. It's a meritocracy. Yeah. But I was surprised they just cast a white lady for it. I'm okay with this. Okay. It's like the yeah. only white watching they did. They wouldn't notice. <laughs> I thought you for sure would notice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I noticed now. I was uh, like, the movie's too good, man. I wasn't just enjoying myself. And it wasn't It was like my third time watching it or something. Just fun for me, yeah.
1: A lot of fun. Like, the movie adds, improves upon the book in many ways.
0: Yeah. I still think the book is better, but in terms of movies, this is the best possible movie you can make out of that book, in my opinion.
1: The entire film production is worth it for the one joke where they're having that meeting and Sean Bean gets to deliver the explanation for why it's called The the Council of (laughs) Elrond. It was all worth it. It was
0: worth it. Oh. I feel bad. I'm glad that Sean Bean didn't die in this movie. (laughs) You know, he dies in almost every movie he's in.
1: I was fucking laughing my ass off in theaters. Everyone looked at me. I'm like, does no one else get this? Am I the Uh, only one that got that joke?
0: Man, yeah. That
1: was, like, just... Oh, I would love to (laughs) see what what his thoughts on that were, because it's such a lovely joke.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Come on, Sean, okay, Sean Bean, for those that are not massive nerds, played The guy who dies. <laughs> Boromir, the guy that gets fucking arrowed Yeah. In Fellowship of the Ring.
0: He dies in everything he's in.
1: He does in everything he's in, but he was in, specifically, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And he was part of the Council of Elrond. Yep, yeah. So to then have him explain <laughs> that in this yeah. film, you're just like, mwah, mwah, perfect. That's how you do fan service in a movie. It does not detract from your enjoyment of the moment. It does not. The yeah. man is a way funnier if you know.
0: I'm going to go into comparing this with Moon, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. All right. So we'll just brush over what you mentioned already. I think Sam Rockwell's performance kind of showed how working you know, by yourself could weigh on you. The hardships of living in space, deteriorating health, all of that. Whereas Matt Damon, is just like, nothing can faze me. I understand that's his character, like he's being positive all the time. But like, like you mentioned, I don't feel like he's ever going to fail. Maybe that's supposed to be what you're supposed to feel. There's no possibility of failure. You know that he's going to get through it. Whereas with Sam Rockwell, it's just like, jeez, man, are you going to feel alive for another day? It's looking not good there. That's uh that's one thing I want to mention right out the gate. But yeah, going in. Uh I felt like I liked Salem Rockwell's performance a lot better because it's more nuanced. I noticed that for the Martian that you kind of have one dimensional characters. Now the book does a lot better job in going into each individual character. There's like a relationship arc in there too that they don't just brush over in the movie. But for me it felt like I didn't know these people as characters in The Martian, whereas with Moon, I got to know Sam Rockwell a lot more, and it's not a bad thing at all for The Martian, but, like, yeah. That's, that's one thing I wanted a little bit more of, like, can you name one flaw Matt Damon's character had in that movie? Like, I couldn't. Any progression he made, I, I couldn't either. Like, it's just, he's just perfect all, all the time, every time.
1: Yeah. Be fair, that's basically how astronauts are. It's not like an astronaut would be in this situation, like, oh, now I have to be, now I have to become a true astronaut. (laughs) No, by the time you get your ass to Mars, you're already pretty good at your fucking job.
0: (laughs) I just felt like the characters were pretty one dimensional. Again, it's not important or vital to the film. Also, Matt Damon is just too charismatic. I feel like it's too charismatic.
1: It's just too happy. He needs to be yeah. more
0: depressed. I want a little more depression. They did get that at the end where he's driving out and is super skinny and bruised and like he's he's clearly dying. But, you know, even then.
1: Yeah. That was a great little cutaway shot, by the way. Because when he was filming this, he was absolutely shredded because he was filming the Born supremacy right after it.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It was like swole as heck. i <laughs> will say. I think that was a body double that they had mm, filmed for that. Okay. That's also another major difference. Part of the reason why he's so messed up at the end is the trip from Astelia Panicia to the second Mav is it takes him a very long time, right? It takes yeah. him like the better part of two months, I want to say.
0: Yeah, I think it's around like 50 days or something.
1: 50 souls. 50 <laughs> souls, sorry. 50, 50 souls. souls,
0: you're right. You gotta be
1: clear. It's not a day, Sam. Gosh. Sorry, not a Martian day. My bad. It takes quite a while, and the entire time he's basically trapped in his freaking suit. In the book, he spends a long time creating this complicated airlock traption on the, on the rover just so he doesn't have to live in his suit. But basically, he's without a shower for the entire time, <laughs> so he smells and looks like crap. That is a very long portion of the book that they cut out. And that's fine. That's um, fine. Oh, I remember
0: that the rover tips over to going down into the crater.
1: Yeah, the second map is in, like, a crater, and, like, it's a slight, it's like a 20-degree decline or something like that. Which, on Earth would be no big deal, but on Mars, <laughs> where, like, gravity is different, and there's, like, the Martian soil you have to contend with. Like, uh-oh.
0: That's something I just remembered, but yeah. Not, not important again.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of little events, like he loses comms for a while, and all this little stuff. But the overall flow of the film is just a really compressed version of the books, and you really, I really appreciate it. Nice adaptation. Definitely. In a world filled with horrible adaptations.
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't speak of them. Ghost in the Shell. So
1: <laughs> well, I haven't watched it. I can't call yeah. it bad yet. It might surprise me.
0: I don't think so, dude. I don't think
1: so. (laughs) I don't think so either, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt for now. Yeah, any other thoughts?
0: Uh, I really liked how it's pretty positive for the most part. Like you mentioned, there's really no villain here. Like Ted, the character of Ted is not evil. He's not bad at all. And he's just trying his best to get everyone home alive. So I hope people understand that. I don't think the book or the movie portrays him as a villain, per se. It's more like a a different point of view where it's very realistic and grounded in reality and he's trying to do the best for all the people involved, including NASA itself. Because any failure, any death, sucks for that person who died and their families, but it also sucks for NASA because they can get their funding canceled or whatever. So I kind of appreciate the fact that he wasn't like, he was kind of douchey in the film, but he wasn't a douchebag. He was just trying his best for everyone.
1: Yeah, I mean, they play up the conflict a little bit, yeah, but little for the bit. most part, he's just trying to look at the whole situation. Yeah. If you send your astronauts back to try to rescue this guy,
0: there's a decent die.
1: chance that they just yeah. all die. You know, you have to weigh those uh, the risks versus the rewards. It's a little bit of conflict. I think that's, that's pretty minor in comparison. There's no cartoon villain. Yeah. Fiddling their mustache. Not
0: even like China is portrayed as a villain. They're just there, and then they help them out. Yeah, that might they... be the
1: least realistic part of the entire <laughs> film.
0: The I don't know. I like to think that they would do it.
1: The optimist in me thinks, "Oh, yeah, scientists <laughs> would just get together and do yeah. it." Yeah, the realistic me would in. say that's the last fucking thing that'll ever fucking. Do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, realistically speaking, they're gonna be like, "Nope, unless we get some some gain out of this." But yeah, it's like Bill and Ted, you know, it's like. Humanity coming together.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's very optimistic. And I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. The name of the probe, by the way, Taiyang Sheng. Pretty sure that means sun dragon. That's how that translates. Mm, okay. Just, just a little bit of no. Uh The original purpose of the Chinese booster is to send, like, a probe to the sun. That's why it's called the Taiyang Sheng. You're
0: telling me it's related To that movie where everyone goes to restart the sun.
1: Yeah. Do you want to watch that movie too?
0: Yeah, why not? (laughs) Why not? I haven't seen
1: that either. What the hell is it called?
0: Sunlight? Ah, I forgot. You you guys keep telling me to watch that movie too. Sunshine. 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 Alright.
1: It's a movie, man. Oh, Chris Evans Evans was in this. What the heck? I don't remember him in this movie.
0: Okay. out. One thing that I had a minor issue with was that... The cast, they look too good. They're too pretty. Like, everyone in the movie is too pretty.
1: I guess. <laughs> I'm just
0: saying. I think they look too attractive. Sure. I want some, I want some normal looking people in there.
1: That's fine. It's, it's a decent compromise. This is not yeah. Apollo 13. It's not hyper. Yeah, It's I not know, mega I know. realistic.
0: I'm I'm okay with it. I'm just saying it was kind of funny. It was like, oh, everyone is actually really
1: good looking. (laughs) God, look at the size of this cafeteria. Yeah. Like, everybody could have their own table, and there's still four extra tables. It's like one table per person. What are you going to do with all the space? There's so much room for activities. Don't know. It
0: felt like it was made for, like, a crew of at least 20.
1: It's made for a crew of, like, 10 times this size. Yeah. Easily whatever whatever i'm gonna i am i got to let it go i gotta let it go <laughs> closing right. thoughts
0: closing thoughts yeah
1: great film i think i've watched this film like this might be like my fifth or sixth time watching it mm. it's a lot of fun it's, it's it is. great rewatchability uh very positive love me some sci-fi i love performances some great actors in here love poo potatoes
0: <laughs> oh, i love the poop potatoes
1: just a great, great sci fi film. And we need more sci fi films like this. How about you, Sam? Uh, wait, Sam, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I gotta, give it a, I gotta give it a rating. Uh, gosh. I'm gonna go with nine suicides. Nine? All right. Once again, I'm, there's not really much, you know, I'm gonna gripe all the scientific inaccuracies, but they have nothing to do with the quality of the film. Yeah. <laughs> it's just obviously. me griping. The only major flaw is that there's a lack of a real sense of of tension, of danger, but it's okay. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah, that's like my only real gripe as far as a film. Matt Damon. Oh, nice Suicide Squad. How about you, Sam?
0: Yeah, uh, I love this movie. I think, in terms of like constructing a film, and adapting any source material, you should always look to The Martian. Because it does a lot of great things. It doles out the science. But it condenses it. So it doesn't bore the viewer. Again if you want like explosions every 15 minutes. Or every minute. It's going to be boring regardless. Like you know if you're okay with drama. If you're okay with action. Like then it it has that. It has action every once in a while. It has the science condensed down. It stays true to the source material. But it adapts it for the silver screen. It doesn't translate it. It doesn't. Try to put the book into movie form one to one, but yeah, it's a really smart adaptation. It stays engaging. It's pretty fun. It's pretty charming. Matt Damon does a great job. He's just too he's too charismatic and he's too funny. Yeah, he makes the character likable. It's a little too perfect in my opinion, but <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's funny too. Like I didn't mention the funny bits where he's like crushing the potato into Vicodin because he ran out of ketchup and he just doesn't care. I was like, okay, you do you, man.
1: <laughs> do, do you, boo-boo. You do
0: you, yeah. You do you, man. Did I say Mark Wahlberg again? Or did I say Matt Damon this time?
1: I'm pretty sure you said Matt Damon.
0: Okay, that's good. Sorry, they're just interchangeable. <laughs> For me. <real. laughs> so racist. Though. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm gonna give it a 10, because I think it's not like the perfect film, but I think it's the perfect adaptation of a source material. Like, if I saw anime adapted in this manner, it would be amazing. If I saw video games adapted in this manner, it would be simply amazing. Like, this format, it's just, it works. And like, like Barry mentioned and I mentioned, this is not our first time watching the film, but it's still engaging and fun for us. It stands the test of time.
1: Yeah, this is a movie that I'm going to keep coming back to, I feel. I've already rewatched it several times I think I watched it once on a flight It was just on, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine with this I will be thoroughly entertained
0: Potatoes Always, yeah. uh Always fun to watch that
1: Watching a man farm at his own crap yeah. Riveting, <laughs> riveting,
0: <laughs> riveting. Alright, well if, if you have nothing else to add You okay with ending here? Yeah, let's sign off This has been episode 38 On The Martian, thank you so much For listening in If you want to contact us, you can write to us at pointyhackcast at gmail.com. Once again, that email is pointyhackcast at gmail.com. Catch you guys next time.
1: Thanks for dropping by, guys.
0: Stay pointy. Stay pointy. Mark Walvo... Mark Walvo... Wow.